the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky team. <laughs> Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. So do you feel it? You all got a heart beating inside your chest. That means if you can feel the music, you can feel the rhythm. What a difference a day made.
that you say? Well, it's got to be you, 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 talking about you. You! Gotta be, got to be, got to be. Nobody, 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 nobody but you. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is a thoracic surgeon from northwestern Michigan. Not a lot of people know this, but I had a procedure done a year ago, July, called a lobectomy. And Dr. Kim suggests that this same procedure that had me in the hospital for a few days can be done almost um, uh consistently in outpatient surgery. We're going to talk about that and and more with Dr. Samuel Kim, who joins me by phone. Samuel, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me here. Um, Tell me about what... um, what the difference is now in in the procedure of... uh, doing surgeries for lung cancer and and other um, thoracic surgeries that makes it possible to send patients home basically the same day? All right. So there has been significant improvement in the way that we care for our patients who undergo surgery for lung cancer. For instance, that we now know that, you know, those patients with uh, very small lung cancer that hasn't spread uh, to other organs or other part of the lymph node, uh, we're able to achieve similar cancer clearance by doing what we call segmentectomies, which is a lung-sparing operation opposed to doing a lobectomy, which is taking a, a lobe of the lung, which is a significant part of the uh, lung function away. So for uh doing a certain uh, procedure, what we call minimally invasive uh, surgery, to remove the segmentectomy. After the surgery, patient would recover much faster because their lung functions better and they're able to feel better, breathe better. Uh, other uh, advancement that we have made is our improvement techniques of doing a uh, minimally invasive surgery. Nowadays, we use you know, a robot to do a lot of these operations, which we'll call much more complex operations. Uh, uh, through a very small incisions, uh, and, and, and for most part, patients recover much faster. So from our experience, and, and it's just not just myself, but there's a team of surgeons and, and anesthesiologists and, and uh, physician assistants and nurses who make this program happen, we're able to provide a, a care where for selected group of patients, it's not for everybody, obviously, and we do the surgery, and you know, after the surgery, we look to see whether the lung seals up or it has healed up nicely, and and patients not bleeding or anything like that, and patients you know comfortable going home, and and pain tolerated, they're you know given the option to go home, and, and for a good majority of patients that we have, uh, they're able to go home uh, same day. And and is it because these new procedures? Uh, require less post-operative care? Uh, no, so it's not the post-operative care, but, you, you know, uh, if a patient has not tremendous amount of pain or if a patient's 
the wound has healed up, you know, e- you know, easily without any uh, further um, in hospital stay. For instance, when we do procedure like lobectomy, when we go, you had, and if the the way, where we staple off the lung or remove the lung, if that part of the lung hasn't sealed up, then we cannot let you go home. So we have to keep a tube inside of you to drain the fluid and, and air out. Right. But right after surgery, if the lung is already sealed up and you're not bleeding or there's no a lot of fluid that is being drained, we could remove that drain right away. Then it's just a matter of patient's uh, pain tolerance uh, and patient comfortability about going home. So in certain, it's not for everybody, obviously, but for a certain group of patients, they don't have a lot of discomfort other than you know, taking uh, pain medication by mouth. And instead of spending an uncomfortable night at, at, in the hospital, uh, they could just go home and, and relax and take their pain medications and recover. Now, we uh, developed this concept during the COVID, actually, last year. When we have patients who are traveling from far away, uh, who are commuting maybe two to three hours to get down to our hospital, and and you know because of COVID, a lot of patients did not want to stay in the hospital for a long time, nor have their family come down get exposed, and so we had to be sort of creative. For majority, you know, before COVID, we would let's say do an operation that we would subsequently send the patient next morning, um, which would be you know, approximately 12 hours after the operation, or six, 12 to 16 hours. But let's say we do the operation early in the morning, and then keep the patient till maybe 5 o'clock or something like that, which should be more like 6, 7 hours. What's that difference of 5 five really makes? And so we kind of tried it out with a couple of patients who really want to go home or had a compelling reason to go home same day and has done tremendously well. And we have a series of patients uh, who went home same day after uh, getting an operation like this, and, and we haven't had a uh, major complication or a very comparable uh, post-operative courses as those patients that we kept here uh, there too after the operation. More about lung cancer procedures and awareness with Dr. Samuel Kim from Northwestern Medicine, straight ahead.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You are, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Hello. Speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. 
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner. More about lung cancer procedures and awareness with Dr. Samuel Kim from Northwestern Medicine, straight ahead. You said that doing these um, lobectomies and other similar procedures, uh, thoracic uh, surgical procedures, um, doing them as as outpatient, um, you know, same-day kind of procedures accelerated during the pandemic. And you made it sound like because people didn't want to stay in the hospital for multiple days because there were a lot of COVID patients there. But was was a shortage of beds a contributing factor to trying to step up and, and create a new way of... Uh, uh, doing these surgeries and releasing patients? Uh, no, actually, that was not a factor in okay. in. Uh, I kind of had know, the, normally, you know, the. I kind of had no, the so impression the, it was. No, so well, that's one one of the added benefit of it. But initially, when we had it, actually, it's not that we had a lot of patients with COVID, but there was a fear. At that time, there's a lot of things that are unknown. Right now, the hospital actually is one of the safest places because all the employees in the hospitals are vaccinated and frequently tested. Everybody wears masks. And so there's a, the transmission of COVID within the hospital is is significantly lower than actually, I would say, in the public uh, going to this grocery store. So it's a very safe place. But at that time, when in the uh, sort of the height of uh, COVID, when a lot of people didn't really realize there's a, a lot of hesitancy uh, for patients who are going under have to go undergo operation to stay in the hospital much longer than needed to. So that was the initial impetus for us to uh, develop this program uh, uh, based on what our experiences has been. And then, uh, sort of byproduct of that is that patient gets to go home earlier, be with their family earlier, and then rest in their home earlier. Uh, but it does save in hospital uh, uh, length of stay, and then that means that it uh, lessens the the pressure on the hospital uh, system to take care of other patients with the uh, other sickness, such as uh, a significant uh, lung related disease uh, with the COVID or, or other other health matters. Because right now, as you know, you know our health system is getting inundated and, and getting stressed out because of. Uh, a lot of patients uh, that were more than the uh, uh, usual number of patients that we do care, take care of. So I think it added the uh, added bonus. Um, but having said that, you know, um, normally, let's say in a traditionally a couple of years ago, patients would stay in the hospital three to five days after lobectomy. I think that's the national data is about 4.4 days for min- even minimum operation. We're able to, you know, at Northwestern uh, Medicine, we were able to get that down from 4.4 days to initially three days, two days, one days. Now, for a certain group of patients, it's an outpatient. Certainly, you know, if you have a lot of comorbidities or patients are uncomfortable going home or they don't have a lot of resource to take care of at home, we, we do keep the patient until they're safe to go home. So this is only for those patients, a selected group of patients who wants to go home, who's ready to go home, and uh, who's you know able to take care of himself? You know, as much as I like to think of myself as uh, <laughs> a good patient, I um, 
I'm always very anxious to go home. Is that kind of the normal, that as soon as people are awake and can move around a little bit, they're, they're ready to go? Yeah, I mean, you know, your body kind of tells you when you're ready or not. I mean, it's not the, you know, and, and we, we as a physician could tell them that, you know, lungs sealed up, you're not bleeding, we're safe to take the drain out. Um, and you're breathing fine, your vitals are all stable, uh, we could sort of ask the patient, are they comfortable to go home? But their body will tell you, yes, I'm comfortable to go home, or they're not comfortable home. So I do think that patients, what the body tells the patient, is a very important factor in, in making these sort of decisions. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, they're, and, and some people are not, you know, comfortable going home because they're family situations, they don't have a lot of, uh, help. I mean, I frequently operate on patients under 80s and 90 year old. And right after surgery, you know, we do, you know, we don't do like a lobectomy. So a lot of these patients are, I mean, some patients uh, undergo lobectomy and go home, but we do much more complex operation called segmentectomy, which is a lung sparing operation. So people with a marginal lung function who are smokers, and they have a lot of emphysema, or elderly patients, you know, taking a less amount of lung out for cancer or sparing their lung, would help them after, uh, recover after surgery. Uh, but those patients who are not comfortable or elderly, you know, by all means, we kept the patient an extra day or two so that when, once they go home, they're comfortable, they're able to take care of themselves, and, and so forth. Uh, but there are some other patients, by all means, they don't want to stay in the hospital. And, and you know, there's you know, very good reason, too. So, you know, let's say you live two to three hours away and you came down for operation and your family member will have to then, you know, travel back and forth visiting. And there's a lot of burden on the family. And so they want to go home because of that reason. Some people just want to rest in their, their own bed. It's much more comfortable in your bed than, and then hospital bed, no matter how beautiful the rooms are, how friendly and courteous the staff are here. And so uh, I think all those factors kind of contribute into why, you know, uh, uh, patient want to go on the, uh, the same day. And then finally, you know, I have a one you know, great story where I have a patient, well, actually I'm going to uh, operate fairly soon, who has a compelling reason why they have to uh, go home because uh, they're the sole uh, care provider for their spouse. And, and spouse is a medical condition where, you know, really need somebody at home. So uh, I think those are the you know, obviously reason why that, you know, some people be very anxious to go home same day. And uh, we're happy to accommodate in those uh, circumstances. Now, we talked about this uh, idea of, of sending someone home the same day or maybe even the next day after what we would consider somewhat major surgery and that that's been accelerated a little bit by the pandemic over the last year and a half or two but what has changed about the procedures themselves how how did it used to be and how is it now you mentioned robot um, surgery and and some of the procedures being less invasive how how is that possible for example if you're doing a lobectomy and you're removing a portion of the lung how does that how does that lung come out in a mini, minimally invasive procedure? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, good, good question. Uh, so, you know, we do this operation with uh, very tiny incisions. You know, the incision varies from about a centimeter, maybe you know, sometimes a half a centimeter. Do make a several uh, incision and the holes, and we traverse through the chest wall on on either side where the cancer is, and using a you know uh, these instruments, whether it's a robot or uh, what we call thoracoscopic uh, video assisted surgery or VAS, uh, we we would you know do our normal operation like we used to. Now there used to be that you know we would make a large incision across the chest wall, and we would you know go between the rib and then either break the rib or spread the rib wide open. So imagine you know you have a big giant hole in the chest wall and pulling the ribs apart. To get into where we need to, that was a very safe operation, and and but it does cause a lot of trauma to the chest wall, cause a lot of uh, uh, pain, and 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 after surgery, patients have a harder time breathing because of the, all the trauma, and then after surgery, you know, people would may require more blood product or fluid, um, the, you know, so the, all those uh, factors contribute to patients staying much longer. But now, as I you know described that with a small incision, less trauma to the chest wall, and then sort of a you know more much more delicate operation, and then doing all these sort of com- more complex lung sparing operation, we're able to perform uh, you know lung ca- uh, lung cancer surgery with a less trauma to the body. That translates into patient recovering faster and able to operate actually on the patients who other thought that you know otherwise we thought that are not candidates. You know, in in I would twenty years ago we would never imagine that I'll be operating on patients routinely on their eighties and nineties, uh, who are otherwise healthy, good performance uh, status. Because you know, operating on these elderly patients were, you know, frankly, and, and some people were never given that opportunity either because they thought that you're elderly, you're not, you know, you're not, you know, fit for surgery. There was Actually, more more longer, risk and, and, th- more risk yeah. than benefit. Exactly, but the, now the risk of these procedures almost minimal, right? I mean, my personally, you know, our division, we have not had anybody die from this operation in years, right? And then patients uh, go home routinely within a day or two without any, you know pneumonia or reintubations or, or prolonged complication. Now, the pain, you know, of surgery is something that we always deal with because it's a, you know, it is a operation with some uh, pain involved. But for most part, for, for all the patients, even all these patients with the, you know, advanced age or let's say comorbidity, bad lung due to emphysema, they're able to tolerate this operation because we are able to provide care with less trauma to the body spare the lung, and then uh, uh, op- to operate. And, and, and that's what, you know, one technical aspect of the surgery that has advanced. And then in, by you know, removing the lung, you ask, we make a, so that one centimeter incision get extended to about two and a half in, uh, centimeter, about an inch, and we put the lung in the body, and then we basically squeeze the uh, lung out of the, uh, this tiny hole. Uh, that <laughs> actually might be the, sometimes the hardest portion of the operation. So that's a technical aspect of the operation. Now, aftercare, like I mentioned, that this is not just surgeons, you know, uh, take part of it. Aftercare. So let's say our 
you know, anesthesiologists know to give patients less narcotics. Uh, and we, we, for all majority of patients, uh, do not give patients uh, narcotics. But these are, are given, you know, we give them the non-narcotic pain-based medication so that they're more lucid uh, after surgery. And, uh, and so we have this in a protocol, enhanced recovery protocol, where, you know, patients are uh, geared towards, you know, getting ready to go home much sooner than we used to. Because in the, in the past, because of the big trauma to the chest wall and then patients in a lot of pain, they got a lot of narcotics. That means that their mental status is, you know, foggy. Uh, they cannot really participate in, a, you know, walking and moving and breathing and, and rehab. All those factors contribute to why patients uh, stayed longer in the past uh, than what it is now. So not only the way to do the operation, but how to take care of the patient really has set us apart. Are these more minimally uh, invasive procedures um, becoming widespread, or do you have to look for particular surgeons and hospitals to opt for them? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, the minimally invasive operation is, um, you know, ubiquitous, meaning it is everywhere. And, and you go to every hospital, they do say they do offer minimally invasive operation and so forth. But I think, you know, a place like a Northwestern, we're kind of leading a charge ahead um, in terms of how, you know, be much more innovative. For instance, you know, you may and go not, to some other and not just and in and not just in thoracic surgery, but a number of other procedures too. And and what I was getting right, at right. is, um, you know, how would a patient know to ask their surgeon, um, you know, what what procedures are available to them, what options they right. have. Right. So, you know, and, and there's, you know, when you're seeing a patient and it's a, a surgeon or a doctor, you should always ask them, first of all, what are my options? I mean, there's more than just surgery when available for the patient. So there's surgery, there's radiation treatment, there's a chemotherapy uh, or, you know, other thing called immunotherapy or targeted therapy. And then find out what is the best uh, evidence out there to treat the disease. And a lot of times the for early lung cancer who are patients who are uh, surgical candidate. And that, that is a very subjective matter for surgeons, but that's based on their, you know, the surgeon's experience and, and their success rate. Uh, would determine whether, whether that person is a surgical candidate or not. Uh, so, but the for, important for the uh, patient is then to ask, well, what are the approaches? What are the success rates? Uh, and, and what are the length of stay, what are the complications, and sort of figure out, you know, from the surgeon what the, the success rates are. Now, you could go to the, you know, national database, and, and you could go to the, um, you know, website like ours, or, you know, you could compare. And, you know, so, you, you know, right now patients as a consumer have a choice to or go shop around to figure out who does the best. I mean, if I go to a car and buy a car, right, I just don't go to one one shop, right? I go to shop, and then and I want one uh, dealer, and then try to compare price and, and deal in other places too. So I do say that you know, for something like a you know major surgery like a lung cancer operation, do feel, you know you the consumers have a a choice in really comparing who does the best operation, 
And, and there's a multiple factor that's involved, right? Some people don't want to travel too far from their home. They want to have in a local community hospital. For simple procedures, I think that's fine. But for much, for much more complex operation, it may make sense for them to get a place, a surgery, uh, like place like Northwestern. And, and if you go home in a day or two compared to if you stay three to four a day in a, uh, a hospital, it, it, it may be worthwhile for them to travel, you know, with just all that one day to surgeons or their team could provide the, you know, most latest technically advanced operations just because, you know, their you know, experience their, and, and the kind of setting they have. Uh, but, you know, the community hospital or other places have, may have advantage because by, you know, uh, being more closer to their, uh, where they live. Uh, so it, it is the consumer, the patients, then uh, uh, sort of a decision to figure out what's the best uh, option for the patient. But it is important for the, the patients to sort of figure out, um, you know, uh, from the surgeon, what is, you know, approach they're going to do, and then what are the success rate, what are the complications, and then sort of compare uh, through, you know, word of mouth, or and that's the best, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, people, other people's experience, uh, website, there's a national database that shows all the hospitals' performance, their surgeons' performance, and so forth, and, and sort of figure out what's the best option for them. Is um, lung cancer still the leading cause of cancer death in the U.S.? So what is driving that increase in survival? There's a couple of factors. One is obviously, as you said, improving technology in both surgery and medicine, uh, notably what we call immunotherapy or, or targeted therapy for those people with more advanced cancer. Uh, they have a certain uh, treatment option that are much more specific to cancer. Uh, and then other big factor that is actually uh, uh, has uh, improved the survivals is the local lung cancer screening program. So about 10 years ago, uh, you know, there through a multiple study that showed that doing a low-dose CT scan improves uh, patient survival by detecting cancer much earlier. So the reason why the lung cancer is so deadly is that by the time patients have a symptom, which is such as cough or shortness of breath, and they come to see a doctor, majority, I think 80 to 90% of patients are already at an advanced uh, lung cancer stage. Cancer has already spread to a point where the survival is pretty dismal. Now, with the lung cancer screening and then the criteria that people now on uh, age of 50 to 80s who have 20 pack years of smoking history, uh, and who are active smoker or quit in the past 15 uh, years, they're eligible to get a CT scan to figure out whether they have any suspicious finding. And based on that, we could do a workup. So, Samuel, we're uh, we're we're breaking up again a little bit. So, and we're just we're pretty much out of time. But I want to thank you for spending this time with me this morning and sharing your expertise with me and the listeners, um, Dr. Samuel. Kim talking about lung cancer um, awareness, and uh, this being November is Lung Cancer Awareness Month. Um, Samuel's a thoracic surgeon at Northwestern Medicine. Uh, Samuel, is there 
a good place. You mentioned a couple of places, but where should uh, someone who's interested in finding out more um, begin their search? Yes, so I, I think, you know, the best place is, is you know, uh, you could, um, for, for Northwestern, if you um, search our Northwestern web uh, page at nm.org, uh, NM stands for Northwestern uh, Medicine. So NM.org, and you undergo a, a fine thoracic surgery or lung cancer screening program, uh, then you should be able to find uh, a resource to contact uh, any of the uh, surgeons in our program. Uh, for locally, uh, I think uh, um, American Lung Cancer Association website uh, would have a, a very good resource for the patients to uh, find out more information about cancer, lung cancer in general, and, and local providers uh, near you. Well, Dr. Kim, thank you so much for spending this time with me and keep up the good work. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Take care. Again, that was uh, Dr. Samuel Kim, uh, thoracic surgeon at Northwestern Medicine, talking about new procedures for dealing with lung cancer. And uh, this is November is Lung Cancer Awareness Month, so it seemed kind of appropriate to spend a little time talking about that now. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program.
And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You know, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to americanschismbook.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. 
More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Gentlemen, who are we scheduled to interview next? I've been waiting around now for three weeks. (laughs) Of course, our apologies. Our next guest is the junior senator from New York. Senator, first we'd like to welcome you here today. We hope this will be a happy interview. No, well, I mean, that's, I don't think that that would be, I doubt if it will be. (laughs) Senator is the father of nine children and a devoted family man. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out to come and speak with us here. I'm delighted to see uh, so many grown-ups all in one room. (laughs) Uh, We continue the questioning with Mr. Swayze. Senator, I wonder if we might switch for just a moment and... Keep the door open. Well, sir, we normally close the door for silence, you understand. I'm in favor of keeping that door open. (laughs) All right, we'll keep the door open. Thank you very much. Senator, as an out-of-stater, some people have questioned your motives for coming into New York. I grew up here in the state of New York. Well then, obviously it does have meaning for you. What exactly is New York to you and your wife, Ethel? Something that we will hand over to our children. (laughs) Mr. St. Ledger. Uh, Now that you're a senator, you must have some very, very exciting and vital things you plan on doing for the people of New York. No, I have no plans. Surely, Surely, Senator, you have some ideas. I just have no plans. (laughs) Well, what do the people of New York need? Well, I think you'd have to ask them. (laughs) Senator, if we can can look ahead for just a moment, uh, do you think your brother Teddy will one day be president? If he wants to uh, join me and where I'm going, I'd be glad to have him along. interpret what you've just said, uh, when would you like to be president? Now. Well, I think you know it can't be done that quickly. 1965, 1966? No, obviously you can't run for president until 1968. I don't think that's fair. (laughs) It's been rumored that you're carrying on a feud with the president. Now, of course, none of us happen to believe that. Didn't you pay him a visit just recently? A few days ago. 
Did you have a nice, friendly chat with the president? I showed up and he had guards to keep me out. <laughs> we understood, sir, that on a recent tour of the Western United States, you visited Mount Rushmore. I did, yes. With the great heads of Washington, Jefferson, and Lincoln carved into the mountainside. That's correct. And as you stood there gazing up at that monument, did any particular thoughts come to mind? I'd like to be a part of that. Senator, many thanks for being with us this evening. Thank you very much. Incidentally, due to your heavy schedule, we almost took it upon ourselves to cancel this interview entirely. I would have been delighted. <laughs> This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. The following is a public service announcement. Election day is near. Go to the polls and vote. Vote for the Kennedy of your choice, but vote. <laughs> from the Tom Show. Oh, Wrapping things up today on uh, the Tom Sumner program with a reminder that even though this is an off year, tomorrow is election day. And uh, all kidding aside, with that little uh, public service announcement about voting for the Kennedy of your choice, even though this is an off year election, they're just as important as the so called big elections. And for people in the city of Flint that are deciding, uh, who their city council representative will be going forward. Um, back uh, at the end of September, into the first part of October, I interviewed all of the candidates that will be on the ballot in the city of Flint tomorrow for city council. And you can go to... Um, the website tomsumnerprogram.com if you want to review and they're listed ward by ward so if you scroll to uh, the end of September you'll be able to scroll through the uh, list of hours there and pick the ward that you want to get to know the candidates better in and those uh, conversations include five of the uh, write-in candidates in the nine wards as well as the uh, the incumbents and some of the newcomers so if you'd like to uh, learn a little bit more about that also uh, after tomorrow's show or after tomorrow's election we're going to be doing our uh, follow-up on armchair politics Woodrow Stanley will be joining the roundtable Henry's off and I'm not sure who's going to fill in for Henry yet, but we'll have Paul Rosicki or Woodrow Stanley. We'll have someone else 
in Henry's place. We're going to be in person, live, at the um, New McCree Theater's new location on Clio Road. And it's... Um, well, it's, it's going to be fun. We, we went to hell last week with armchair politics. We had a great time, and I think we'll have a great time as well. This coming Wednesday, that's November 3rd, the day after the election, and we'll, you know, we'll be broadcasting live from 9 a.m. to noon. And, of course, as always, the show will repeat online all day. But uh, if you want to drop by and watch us... Uh, do the round table. Chris Douglas will be joining me for the first hour, uh, economist from the University of Michigan Flint, who uh, joins me uh, at the first on the first Wednesday of every month, usually, to talk about the state of the economy and and what's going on and what to expect, how various uh, political things will impact uh, the economy and so on. So Chris will be there, and uh, Woodrow Stanley, Paul Rosicki, yours truly, will have at least one other participant, and uh, we'd love to have you there to join. But the most important thing is to make sure that if you haven't already voted by absentee or by mail, um, that you get out tomorrow and vote. Anyway, I want to say thanks to uh, all of you for tuning in today. I also want to thank the... Uh, the guests I had on the show, Dr. Samuel Kim, thoracic surgeon at Northwestern Medicine, talking about lung cancer, November, this is November 1st, and November is Lung Cancer Awareness Month, so we started it off just right with, uh, with Samuel Kim. Before that, we talked to a psychiatrist, educator, and author, Robert L. Taylor, M.D., about his new book, The Deceptive Brain, Blame, Punishment, and the Illusion of Choice. Very interesting, if not somewhat heady stuff. It, it seemed to be a little bit over my head. And then we talked about, talked with, uh, in the first hour, with um, award-winning journalist, biblical scholar, and author David S. Heeren, um, he was on the show back in uh, July talking about his book, The High Sign, and um, the occasion of Jesus' second coming. But uh, he has a new book out. It's kind of a follow-up to that called End Time Living. So I want to say thanks to David for having that very uh, interesting and enlightening conversation. So there's Smoke and George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room. But I'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Tom Sumner program. We'll have some interesting things to talk about for Election Day, even though, uh, of course, we won't know any results. We'll probably know that on Wednesday. But uh, be sure and get out and vote tomorrow. In the meantime, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and pencil sketch recording in Nashville, Tennessee. 
if you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.